Do you have a story to tell? Here at Rider on the Road, it's the journey that matters. Regardless of where you are on your riding journey, Rider on the Road will inspire you to take your dreams and make them happen. So sit back and enjoy the show as Melinda brings you guests who know what it's like to go it alone and who are willing to reach out to the rest of us by sharing their stories. Authors, publishers, entrepreneurs, people at all stages of the riding journey, just like you and me. It's time, dear listeners, to answer the question for yourselves. Do you have a story to tell? It's welcome to another episode of Rider on the Road. Today I have with me the beautiful Alicia Hyder from Florida. And by the time this goes to air, the American election will be over. But over there at the moment, it's election day. So happy election day, uh, Alicia. Yay! <laughs> if that's something worth like clapping and being excited about. <laughs> yeah, I was I was a little bit jealous. I said to Alicia, she she was having a bit of a drink there and I said, what are you drinking? And it was beer and I'm sitting here at five o'clock in the morning with a cup of Milo and it turns out that she's actually watching the election. So I assume you would need a, a beer by watching by this time of day? Definitely, yeah. yeah. Look, I'm sorry. <laughs> this every- year anyway. Everybody, this conversation will be totally irrelevant by the time this goes to air. But right now, Alicia, tell us what is going on over there. With the election? Yeah. Oh, it's it's a media crap storm at the moment. Like, I feel like the fact that we've gotten this far with this election, like, I'm um, I'm thinking about people like you that are on the outside of our country looking in going, there are some monkeys over there in the States. Like, what is going on? <laughs> we don't think that, do we, everybody? Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yeah. And there are plenty of us on the inside that feel the exact same way. Yeah. Well, I think poor old um, England went through Brexit. It, it was just insane. Um, we had our yeah. own, um, we had our own um, issue here in Australia with Clive Palmer. He, he turned our, our country on its head there for a little while, but thank god he's gone now uh so all right everybody welcome to Rider on the road let's get official we're here to talk writing and we're here to talk marketing and very very technical detail about how we're all going to build our audiences and become as infamous as alicia alicia's been in marketing for 13 years which is explains a lot about her success i didn't know that before we started today but now she applies everything she knows about online marketing to selling her own books and she is very successful at it. Alicia, uh, tell us about what you write so that everyone gets an idea about what we're selling. I write uh, paranormal suspense slash, it, you know, it's on the romance side. Um, it, it's, I have a hard niche uh, as far as writing because my stuff's paranormal, but it's not so paranormal that it fits in with other paranormal books. And it's got romance, but there's not enough romance to where it fits in with romance books. So it's been a little bit of a challenge to figure out how to successfully market it. But after a lot of trial and error, it's gone pretty well. So Yeah, and um, Alicia's covers, they're, they're very dark. Um, it's the angel of death, the soul summoner is it and the siren are yes. uh, there three of the books that i'm looking at here as we speak and they're all black and they're all all really gloomy so i'm glad they've got a bit of romance in them alicia now you are doing a couple of online courses mark dawson's course and nick stevenson's course a lot of my listeners are familiar with both those courses what 
attracted me to Alicia and you know how I have to have a little bit of a fossick around is Alicia's been really really successful at applying what she's learned both with Facebook and with um, building your email list yeah uh, yeah okay it's gone really well yeah take us back to the beginning when you started writing now I know you've had some um, very serious personal issues in there as well would you like to quickly run us through that story well about almost two years ago now um, it was January and I had finished the first finished writing the first three books in the Soul Summoner series. And I submitted the first one to my top three picks for agencies here in the States, um, literary agencies. And anybody that's been through that process knows, A, how daunting it is, and B, how incredibly discouraging it is. Um, And I had done this before with another book in the past, and it had not gone well. So I wasn't looking forward to doing it again. But I started small. I picked my top three favorites, and I sent it off to them. And immediately, like within days, I heard back. um, I got a call back from one of those agencies, and they were like, let's talk about this book. So I called everybody that I've ever known in my entire life and was like, oh, my gosh, somebody's interested in the Soul Summoner. Well, then um, the same day, a few hours later, I got another phone call from my doctor. And the doctor said, we think it's cancer. We need you to come in tomorrow for some more tests. And so then I had to call everybody back and was like in tears, you know, like, I'm going to die, you know, because that's what you do when the doctor tells you they think that you have cancer. Um, and it turns out that it was cancer. And so I started about three weeks later uh, with chemo and radiation at Hodgkin's lymphoma. So it's treatable. It's curable, actually. It's one of the few cancers that they use the word curable with. But it is a pretty brutal treatment process, as is anything that involves chemotherapy. Um, So I had to call that agency back, and I'm like, funny story. Um, (laughs) I got off the phone with you, and then the doctor called and said, hey, you're about to have to fight for your life. So I'm going to have to put this whole book thing on hold because I can't give it my best effort and try to not die at the same time. So they were, you know, as as New York often is, they were like, well, good luck to you. You know, call us when it's over. Wish you the best of luck, you know, because they can't. They can't sit around and wait. And, you know, they didn't know me. They had just read the first 50 pages of my book. And they were like, hey, we're interested in this. Mm-hmm. So I knew that I had a product. I, I knew that I had something that was going to get some interest. I really believed in that novel a lot. I was very excited about it, and I knew that I needed to do everything that I could to make it more attractive to big publishers. So I decided that during the cancer journey, I was going to, instead of focus on being sick, I was going to focus on building up my platform um, so that I could be more attractive to a big publisher. And about the same time, uh, one of my nieces called me, and she's like, I want to read the book that you wrote. And she wasn't talking about the soul summoner. She was talking about another one that I wrote a couple of years ago. And she said, can you put it on Wattpad? And I'm like, what is Wattpad? I had no idea. I had never heard of it before. And she's like, oh, it's this, it's this website and you can read on your phone. Like you're reading a, an ebook, you know, she's like, you should put it on there. And I'm like, okay. So I started posting it on Wattpad for my niece and 
it ended up getting a lot of traffic and I ended up making a lot of friends over there. And then that book that I never even meant to publish ended up winning a 2015 uh, Wattpad Award for Best New Adult Romance. And I'm like, how the heck did this happen? But it was a very good initial step to building up that platform that I wanted to do to promote the new book that I knew was coming. So I actually started almost a full year before the Soul Summoner came out, building up an audience so that I had people to market that book to. So it was nice because it gave me something other than being sick to focus on for that year. And I often joke and tell people that it was the worst year of my life, but it was also the very best year of my life too, because I don't know that I would have jumped in headfirst into this publishing thing if I thought, you know, that I have my whole life ahead of me. You know, I didn't know what was going to happen and I didn't want to never see my books published. So I really went at it with full force and threw caution to the wind. And I'm really, really glad that I did that. So, yeah. And that, and that's just the very briefest of overviews, everybody. As I'm talking to Alicia here, she is just so vibrant, full of passion, amazing. It's got the most beautiful color green hair that I love. And there was a little <laughs> story about that because it was bright pink when I first saw her. Now it's this beautiful, beautiful green, but it goes for very well with your personality just in their boots and all yeah well I had when my hair started falling out with chemo um I had decided that every week for my chemo treatments I was going to dye it a different color while it was I had it cut short and it was a faux hawk you know it was awesome and every two weeks when I went in for chemo it would be pink or then it would be blue then it'd be purple and it became this huge talking point and everybody loved it all the patients like it just made everybody happier because it was like a game like what color is Alicia's hair going to be today and when the when I started working on getting the soul summoner to come out um website is the first thing that you need to do if you're planning on marketing a book. And I needed to have a headshot done for the website. And I didn't want to be bald, you know, because this is my first like legit headshot that I'm ever having done for my publishing career. And so I went on Etsy and I bought this pink like fuchsia and purple and red wig. It's so bright. If you want to see it, you can go look on my website because that picture's still on there. And, um, <laughs> It was it was fantastic, you know, and I went to my first um, publishing type event and a few months later and nobody knew who I was because I was brand spanking new. But they were all like, you know, the author with the pink hair, you know, it's so like this is a branding opportunity. So, you know, people may not know my name yet, but they do know my head. So <laughs> now remember the 13 years experience in online marketing. What a wonderful, wonderful background to bring to indie publishing. Now, you obviously have decided not to go back to traditional publishing. You're, you're all indie now, or are you going back to traditional? Well, never say never, um, but the sort of accidental marketing that I did of that contemporary romance book um, led me to this pub this self-publishing career that I had never even considered doing before. But that accidental publishing to build the platform turned out so well, I'm like, I could probably do this by myself and do it decently well. So uh, I Googled, I got, I knew that the first thing that I needed to do was build a mailing list, but I had no idea how to do that, you know, with, without having a storefront and all of the you know, online 
business stuff that I had done before. So I Googled how to build your mailing list as an author. And that led me to Joanna Penn's website. And her website led me to Nick Stevenson. And Nick Stevenson led me to Mark Dawson. And everything just kind of snowballed from there. So when it came time to publish The Soul Summoner, and I had to make that decision, am I going to call New York back and see if they want to buy it? Or am I going to do this myself? I was able just to walk through that door and do it myself, which was really exciting. So, Yeah, and, and quite often when traditional publishers, you know, shoo you away, this story keeps coming out time and time again that that's actually one of the best things that can actually happen to you because you're out there, there's no one who cares about your baby more than you do. You're, you're doing everything you can to sell it and you're keeping your rights so you're keeping the money as well but more importantly you're keeping your rights that you can use down the track in so many different ways Uh, exactly yeah now are you just ebook at the moment or you've got print books uh no i do print on demand and i am currently in the middle of audio book production so oh tell us about that are you are you doing it yourself or are you paying (sighs) someone Well, I decided that I was going to like test run. I have a novella that I wrote that goes with the Soul Summoner series. Um, Definitely a marketing piece for me, but it's short. It's 20,000 words. And I'm like, I'm going to get my feet wet in audiobook and I'm going to do it on this because it's short and therefore it will be cheaper if I screw it all up. And so I ended up going through ACX and I met this fantastic audiobook producer and he really, really got me spoiled because he does such a great job. Um, and he was able to do the entire production on the detective in about 10 days. And so with in the less than a month, we had it from nothing to for sale, you know, on all of the outlets. And it's it's been awesome. Yeah. Are we allowed to talk rough costs? I'm particularly interested in audio books and I've been getting such varying prices. I don't want to know exact prices, but can you give us roughly what that whole process would have cost you? Um, it really, it depends on a lot of factors. Mm. Um, I That's went a hard one, a- isn't it? Yeah. It is a little bit. Um I went through ACX simply because it's really a straightforward process and you know financially what you're getting into and you know what you're going to get for that price. And so, I mean, I'll go ahead and tell you because it's common knowledge if you go look on ACX's website in the marketplace, each producer, they have their asking rate range. Um, So they'll say, I want $100 to $200 per finished hour of audiobook, which Per finished hour, they say for every 9,300 words in a novel is about one finished hour so of finished audiobook product. So you end up paying your producer per that finished hour rather than all of the practice hours of actual work that they do. You know, it's a package price in the end of it. So you know when you set up your book how many finished hours the word count equals out to. Mm. And then you pay that person, you know, based on that time. So that's not very expensive. That wouldn't have cost no. you a lot of money at all. No, it, it, it really was a lot less than I had assumed that it would be going into it. Um, but again, that's just for the audiobook production. That doesn't, you know, include any marketing. That doesn't include the cover. Um, but it was a lot less than I thought that's that it was going to be. still under $1,000. Oh, yeah. It yeah. was... 
for the for the detective novella, which was short, you know, like I said, it's around twenty thousand words, maybe twenty two thousand. Um, just the production cost was less than six hundred dollars, yeah. so that was well, well worth it. Um, and my producer, like I said, he is amazing and he charges not nearly enough for what he's worth in my opinion. Cause I listen to a lot of, you can listen to different audiobook samples from different narrators, narrators and producers is the same thing on ACX. The narrator is responsible for all of the production. So you'll hear both of those terms if you dive into audiobooks with them. Yeah. Um, so you can listen to all of their samples and stuff. And I listened to hundreds and ended up just approaching the narrators that I liked. I sent them an email and said, this is what I'm trying to do. Would you like to audition for it? And so that's, that's how I found Carson, who did the detective for me. Yeah, and it's interesting because uh, things don't happen by accident. Um, I've been looking into this whole audio thing for a while and I would never sit there and listen to a couple of hundred uh, voices or narrators or all the rest of it. So your success, again, Alicia, doesn't come from just a little bit of work. It comes from really a hard lot of focus. Work. Yeah, and that's interesting, and we take you back to building your email list and your Facebook and all those things. I'm guessing you put a lot of work into building that email list, and I'm I'm really excited about audio, but I'm also really excited about email lists and funnels and everything that's in um, Nick Stevenson's course. I'm guessing you devoted a fair bit of time to learning the skills necessary. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, going into it, I already knew from my past experience that uh, even though we think of email as being a dying breed in media, um, it really still is the most important thing that you can do. And that's why Facebook or your grocery store or your doctor's office, everybody always asks for your email address because it's the most direct line of communication that you can have with someone for basically free. You know, it doesn't cost you anything other than what you pay already for internet service to contact someone by email. Um, so it really is the number one marketing tool that you have and will have for the foreseeable future. I don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, so I knew going into it that building that list was going to be key to having uh, an audience to market the book to. So I started Nick's course. And when I started Nick's course, I had six email subscribers and one of them was me and one of them was my mom and one of them was my sister. And I'm sure that the other ones were family and friends as well. But, you know, I mean, like it was, it was all, it was just my little inner, tiny little inner circle. I had no idea what I was doing. And then after I got Nick Stevenson has the, he, it was three free videos. That was a, over a year ago. So I don't know what it is now, but he had three free videos that you could subscribe to his email list and get. And I listened to those three free videos. And by the end of it, I had gone from six subscribers to like 36. And then at, after a month, I was at a hundred. And so I knew this product works, but I was in the middle of, you know, cancer treatment, which is really expensive. And obviously I wasn't working outside the home earning a paycheck. Um, my husband ended up staying home, you know, basically to take care of me. He was, he was working also, but he was also spending a lot of time at home. So 
needless to say, we didn't have a whole lot of money to throw around. <laughs> and when I got the offer to join Nick's course, I mean, it was like 600 bucks and that was a daunting number for me then. And I called my mom and I called my sister twice and the last phone call was like in tears going, I can't be so selfish to spend this money on this career that may work or may not work. And my sister, she told me, she gave me some very good advice. She said, you need to do this and you need to put all of your effort into it and you need to put all of your money into it that it's going to take to do this. And so I decided then if this book is going to fail, it's going to fail because the book sucks and not because I didn't do everything that I possibly could to give it its best chance. And so I couldn't afford to pay Nick Stevenson in total. So I did a payment plan and made payments to him of like 55 bucks a month or something for a year (laughs) to get his course. And I sent him a message um, in August when I sent my final payment to him. You know, like I finally paid off this daunting amount of money. And it's to say that it's paid for itself a few times over is definite understatement. So I have since. Okay. I've since, you know, paid off all of my medical bills with my book sales, which is huge. <laughs> ah, and, then, and see, this story, it's so exciting because I do remember something about you thought you could do it yourself in those early days. You watched the three videos and went, oh, I can do this. Well, that was Mark's course, actually. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> because, because Nick had interviewed Mark and they were talking about Facebook advertising. And I already had a little bit of background knowledge on Facebook advertising from the early days because, like I said, I owned a web and graphic design company for 13 years. So I already knew a little bit about it. You know, I was definitely familiar. And Mark had given a couple of pointers. Uh, My son just came home. so (laughs) Hi. Um, he had given a couple of pointers in that interview and I was like, Oh, thanks, Mark Dawson. Appreciate the tip, you know? And so I started dabbling around in Facebook ads and I wasted so much money (laughs) on failed Facebook ads thinking that I could do it myself. And when I say a lot of money, I probably wasted two, (laughs) $3,000 just, you know, thinking that I could do it myself. And Uh, Mark, his course is only open for a certain amount of time, and he's very much a stickler on that time period. And since I've gotten to know him, now I know why. It's because they revamp the course in the off period, and they want to wait and have a new finished product, you know, when they open the course again. And it's a small number of students that are coming in new each time, so they each get some one-on-one help, you know, as much as they needed in the beginning. So I get it now why it's closed. Mm -hmm. But I came back literally like pounding at the virtual door saying, please let me into this course. I'm so sorry. I really do need it. And uh, they they didn't let me in. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to wait until the course opened up again, June 1st. And I was one of the first people that was enrolled. So and it worked. I mean, it's it was definitely worth the wait, but I wish that I had done it the first go around so I didn't have to wait six months. <laughs> yeah. And everybody, I can tell you that I have 
done exactly what Alicia's done in enrolling for both of these courses. I've paying them both off on payment plans. I think I've got about one or two payments on each course left. I haven't opened them other to go in there and the, to find people to interview. So it's, <laughs> it's given me a great grab bag of interviewees and beautiful people like Alicia. But as soon as I get in there and start those courses myself, I'll, um, I'll be able to share some of these tip bits without having to ask Alicia and, and others about them. Um, but I will be able to send the emails to say I finished paying off the course, but they won't have a clue about who I am. So that one-on-one stuff I'm missing out on with Mark Dawson, everybody. <laughs> Um, so I have to I have to pick up my game. Um, most people seem to do both courses, and I'm I'm doing Joanna Pens as well, which I'm actually doing that one. Um, without those courses, we don't progress as quickly as we should. Correct. Yeah, that's definitely a true statement. Yeah, and you found that um, you've you've done, you did Mark's oh, sorry you did Nick's first. And there's Nick is the email marketing list, everybody. And there's always a bit of a discussion. Oh, will I do Nick's? Nick's, will I do Joanna's? Will I do Mark's? Those three seem to be the holy grail of indie publishing courses. Uh, Which one would you recommend that people took on first? Well, I can't speak for Joanna's because honestly, I didn't even know until just now that she had a course. Um, but I would, I would love to hear what she offers because I think that she's absolutely brilliant. Um, like I said, she was the gatekeeper to introducing me to Nick and then to Mark. Um, I can't really say that either course is better or worse. They're very different in what they offer. Um, Nick's, like you said, is very centered around building that email list, which is essential. And then Mark's course is very centered around Facebook advertising, which is very essential. Uh, So to say that, you know, one or the other is better, it would be really, really hard for me. Um, They both, they they cross lines a little bit, um, talking about some things that are very similar. Um, I think that Nick's is a little bit better for newbies that are just starting out because it's got some really, really basic information. But with that being said, I know that this month in about a week, I think, Mark is launching a self-publishing 101, which is even more basic than uh, Nick's original stuff. It's basically about how to get started. Yeah, and I think that'll that'll prove, very, that'll prove very popular as well because there's so many people uh, seeing the success of there's a few people who are earning millions and millions and millions, but there's quite a lot of people like yourself who are earning a very nice living, thank you very much, paying off the medical bills and, and trundling along to, I guess, uh, romantic holidays to Australia. Um, yeah, everyone, everyone come to Australia. We've got tropical islands. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but the nitty-gritty of building that, very first email list and building your numbers. Are you allowed to say how many you've got on your email list now? Um, I haven't checked. Uh, I guess I haven't. I've honestly, I'm a little bit hands off with it now. I'm not furiously checking it every day like I was in the beginning. Uh, but I was in there giving some numbers to somebody a couple of weeks ago, and it was almost at like seventeen thousand. So I would say I'm somewhere between there and 20,000 now, which yeah. is Please tell me nice. you don't get an email. Every time someone subscribes to my list, I get an email and I get beside myself with excitement. No, <laughs> no, I did in the very beginning. I did. But yeah, I don't even have like daily notifications turned on anymore because it's, oh, you once can... you get, 
Yeah, you can turn that stuff off. <laughs> oh, thank God for that. I thought this is going to get a bit – see, as I build up to thousands of subscribers, as I do the course, I thought, wow, this would really clog my inbox. Yeah, it, it does. It gets out of hand pretty quickly, which is a really good problem to have. So Yeah. Now you had – I guess you had a uh, – a, with your funnel, you had a giveaway book. Yes, I actually wrote the book, The Detective, for the purpose of building my email list. And I decided very early on that this is not going to be a moneymaker. This is not going to be about getting profit. This book is going to be about building a foundation. And I wrote that book very purposefully because I had had quite a bit of success with that contemporary romance book. And it has another prequel book that goes with it. But paranormal is very, it's very much a different reader base. And yes, it's got romance in there, but you tell people that read just contemporary romance, hey, read this paranormal stuff. A lot of them are going to run away screaming. They're going to be like, no, I don't read that stuff. Mm. So, what, so, so you've got a problem, haven't you? You've got a crossover there. Well, I did. I did. Uh, but I, I came up with a very, very workable solution, and it was to write the detective. Um, it is zero paranormal. Um, It's very light. It's funny. And it's told from the perspective of one of the leading guys that's in the Soul Summoner series. So it's very much a lighthearted, not really contemporary romance. It's a little bit more mystery, uh, but it's got a lot of different genre. I can market it almost to any genre, basically, Um, any of those readers and get people excited about it and get them on board because it's just a fun book and it's low commitment, you know, as far as time consuming and that sort of thing. Um, So it worked brilliantly well. I was able to introduce my contemporary readers to that book and they fell in love with that main character. So then they wanted to read the first book of the Soul Seminar series. And then once they were introduced to it, then it wasn't so daunting, you know, looking at it from, oh my gosh, this is a paranormal suspense. You know, the covers are very dark. It looks very scary. But once I was able to coax them into reading it and they got into it, people loved it. So, yeah. And that, and, and you're talking directly to me there because I, I love the romance genre and we, we're very big on that here in Australia, um, along with our, um, you know, our adventure thrillers and all those kinds of things. But I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gone to paranormal. Yet I've probably had three people on here now um, talking, talking to me about the, their success with paranormal fiction. So there must be, a, there must be quite a market for it. Yeah, there definitely is. It's it's a very big market. Yeah, and when you're Facebook uh, targeting your Facebook ads to get readers very very quickly, how do you go about that to find people who are going to love the kinds of books that you write? It's been a little bit challenging because, like I said, my book doesn't fit neatly into a genre, and it's. It's got enough paranormal in it to make it not just a straight romance book. It doesn't have enough romance in it to make it a paranormal romance. So it's been very difficult to try to find other authors that write similar storylines, you know, that would be comparable to this book. It's taken a lot of reading and it's taken a lot of trial and error. So I sought out a lot of the bigger names that write not just paranormal suspense, but people that write paranormal romance. And a lot of people that 
read, you know, contemporary romance stuff. And I start like, for example, I have one ad that targets readers of Janet Ivanovich. And if you look at her books and you look at my books side by side, you're going to be like, what on earth were you thinking? But I market the detective book to them. And it's light, it's funny, it's got the hot cop like her books do, and those readers really enjoy it. So then they're willing to take the chance on the paranormal stuff, which they probably wouldn't have normally picked up off the shelves. So it's a lot of knowing what kind of reader would enjoy your book and not just depending on, well, I'm going to market it to so-and-so's readers because our stuff is similar because you may not have that option. Yeah. So you can. So you target- really have. Yep. Sorry. Go. Go ahead. We, I keep interrupting because she stops and takes this wonderful big breath. I'm actually doing this more and more with my interviewees now. Everybody slap me because they want to listen to you, <laughs> not me. Um, Facebook ads you can target directly to someone's mailing list. Um, not to their mailing list necessarily, but other writers that have a large Facebook following. And I believe that it's other writers that also do a lot of advertising on Facebook. You can target it to fans of their stuff on Facebook. So it's not, you're not marketing it directly to their mailing list per se, but you are marketing it to people that like them on Facebook and follow their stuff and are engaged with their stuff on Facebook. And that all comes at the back of house. That all comes from um, behind the scenes at Facebook. They can do all the analytics. Yeah, and it's very complicated, I'm sure, because it only barely makes sense to me, and it often changes, and so it's one of those things you really have to stay on top of. Yeah, look, I paid for Mark's course, and I just recently hired someone to do it for me. (laughs) I thought, well, that was really (laughs) stupid, because it makes my head spin. I I look into Mark's course, and I go oh, this is, you know, we're writers, we're creatives. This stuff is pure numbers and analytics. And I'm going, here, take 500 bucks, go and do it for me. Yeah. Well, you've also got to invest the time in sitting down in small doses and actually watching all of the videos and listening and getting involved in the group to ask opinions about other people that have gone there and done it already so yeah. now I have done this everyone I have lurked I have gone into the Facebook group and I have looked at the questions that people are asking and then I've looked at the answers that people give and I just leave <laughs> I just go no <laughs> this is not for me um I talk to you and you you tell me all about it because it's damned hard it, it can be uh, especially if you are walking into it, you know, just from the creative side, you know, and not really understanding. I don't think that you have to necessarily understand how Facebook ads work because I only feel like I partially understand them most of the time. Um, But from going through the videos um, in his course, Mark does a really good job of breaking it down to the basics and kind of putting it in layman's terms that we can't understand. So, and he gives you, you know, you basically get to peek over his shoulder and watch the screen as he does things, which is very helpful to somebody like me, who's a very visual learner. 
Mm. And it's interesting as we're talking to you, you're very deliberate in your strategy. Uh, there's nothing left to chance here, everyone. And this is again where I fall down. Oh, yeah, I'll just throw it out there and see what happens. It doesn't work. It's You've got to do what you do, Alicia. You've got to say, right, my book's like this person. I'm going to target this person's fans and I'm going to put some money in into doing it um so look it all is all very nice just to go with um your traditional publisher and we have um harlequin out here are really really good and they look after their authors really well and there's a built-in market with them but for the rest of us i think if we're not prepared to do this stuff then we're not going to see the success that you have absolutely not i I have people ask me all the time like Tell me exactly what you do so I can mm. follow in your steps and do this. Or what is the – I get this one all the time. It drives me bananas. What's the one thing that you attribute your success to? And I'm like, I'll tell you. I work 17-hour days. <laughs> <laughs> I spend a lot of money on advertising. Yeah. You know, there's nothing – there's no secret. You know, there's no just like mystical thing about my books that make them sell. I work really hard and I'm very dedicated in seeing this through. And so you really have to be invested in your stuff, both time-wise and money-wise, if you want to see it be a success. So Yeah, and I listen to, I'm writing this down as, as we speak um, because it, it's fascinating. And as I listen to these guys talk and I listen to Mark Dawson all the time on self-publishing formula on the way to school and when they talk about the money that they put in to get the results that they do, we're, we're talking big dollars because you don't put it in at first like someone like me wouldn't put it in at first but they double up all the time and double up and double up till you are putting in thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah, I, I don't have. I think I read somewhere in the past couple of days that Mark is spending about a thousand dollars on Facebook ads every day, and I am nowhere near that. Um, you really do start small. I'll start an ad with a five dollar a day budget, and I'll watch it for a few weeks and see how it does. And if it starts working, then I'll pour money into it, or I'll kill it and trust something else. Um, so you don't necessarily have to have that big budget going into it to start. But the way that I started was I took all of the money that I was making, you know, the pennies that would come in from different avenues of book sales in the beginning, and I would turn around and I would reinvest that money into advertising because I knew from my marketing experience before, if you want to make money, you have to spend money and you have to spend money on advertising to see any kind of sales because you've got to get your books in front of people if you want people to buy them. And the way to do that is to pay for advertising. And that's yeah. just how the world works. Yeah. And I've got this ad that I've put out for my online teen novel. Everybody, I've written an online teen novel writer's course. They all know that because <laughs> I talk about it all the time. Uh, but I've put this ad- advertisement up or, sorry, my friend Sarah put this ad- advertisement up and it's only been going for a bit less than a week and I can look at my insights page every day or my advertising manager every day and it shows me how many people have clicked and what it costs me per click. But I'm not quite sure, do I pay for the per click or do I pay for the number up the top about what my budget is? I'm, I'm a bit confused. Well, Facebook is going to spend your money until you tell it to stop. So you're, if you're paying $0.10 cents per click and you've got a budget of $5 a day, that's math that I can't do on, like, <laughs> 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 writing it down. Um, but you can, 
sort of average how many clicks you're going to get out of that $5 by doing it that way. Um, and it changes. It really changes every day. We've seen here in the States, um, the past few weeks, my ad spend is really kind of the price per click. The higher that goes, the less clicks you get for your money, obviously. And with all of the money that's being dumped into campaign advertising for this crazy election, you know, our ad spend here in the States, I've talked to a lot of authors that are saying the same thing, that those numbers have increased substantially here in the past couple of weeks with the election, you know, coming to a close here. So you're competing not only with other authors, but you're also competing with big companies. There's only a certain amount of ad space on Facebook and it does go to the highest bidder. So you have to do a little bit of intuitive math there uh, when you're looking at your insight numbers on those ads to see how, how it's, you know, if you're getting enough clicks for your money over there and if those people are actually buying the product once they get to the landing page. And, and that's interesting too because – and this is this is really technical because, I again, it makes my head spin. So what I'm trying to sell is a hard push because it's teenage novel writing. It's got to be pushed to the parents. So it's only been going, what, four days or three days. So I've had – I think it's – 15 clicks or 20 clicks or something and the clicks were 70 cents and now they're 51 cents and but I've got no idea what it's going to cost me and that's what's really scary and I presume Facebook will give me a bill at the end of the week. Uh, they give you a bill at the end of the month or whenever you get when they have like a spending threshold and whenever you get to that dollar amount they go ahead and bill your credit card. Well I better go and so find out what that is. Yeah, definitely. If you go under billing, <laughs> go under billing, it'll tell you what your accumulated total is that's running. Yeah, I'm um, going to do that, everybody, because it could be costing me $2,000 <laughs> and they could just, just take it all. But I've it's I've never had a day where if I have a $5 a day budget that Facebook doesn't spend $5 of my money. Or at least, you know, $4.92 of my money. Well, let's hope that it's $5 a day and not $500 a day that um, my my wonderful Sarah has set up for me. You might want to run over there and check that. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody, you've heard it here first. This is how not to run a business. Uh, But Alicia's telling us exactly how to do it. And it does get down to this kind of detail, Alicia, doesn't it? You've got to have your book funnel. You've got to build your emailing list. Like you're up to 17000 on your email list it didn't happen by accident it happened because you're targeting very ruthlessly the market that you're chasing so to sit back and say oh I've put up a lead page and I've put a book on and I'm going to watch all these people flock to my email list that's not going to happen either is it no absolutely not you'll get a little bit of trickle from that um, but it's probably going to be people that know you (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think it's I think it's also really fair to point out that you've got to stay on top of learning this stuff because the one thing that frustrated me the most about being in online marketing all those years was once you got really good at something, everything changed and you had to learn something else. And it is no different with this. Mm. You know, so you really have to stay up on the most current tactics that are being used for list building and for sales and that sort of thing because it changes very quickly. 
yeah. And I look, I know from the people that I've interviewed, the people who are successful are on top of this stuff and they are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Joanne Dannon, you're out there um, and I've had her on and she talks about this stuff. She was in corporate management or something and I just I switch off because she's got that type of brain I listen to what you're telling me and I go yeah it's a marketing brain but we can't play in in the book um publishing paddock if we don't we don't either get our brains working or we get pay someone else to do it and then the costs add up and then you've got to get really rich or you go traditional yeah oh we don't want to do that don't go traditional no yeah don't go traditional (laughs) yeah (laughs) and you're a case point yeah well, it's kind of nice because you asked me earlier, like if, you know, if going traditional is completely off the table and it's not because I think about it in the sense now that that's another market that I haven't reached yet. So rather than having to think about it, like, please publish my book so that I can have a career, you know, I'm not dependent on that anymore. And I'm able to think about it as, all right, how is it going to increase what I'm already doing? So, yeah. And you can also say, well, you can have this right and this right, but you're not getting this right and this right. And you, you have control. And I'm guessing that publishing houses have already switched on to that because they're picking and choosing their, their um, writers and they're probably negotiating contracts that their writers have a little bit more say in nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, that, that's an excellent point to end on because, A, I've got to go to school, but, B, it's worth remembering, and I think Mark Dawson and, and Joanna Penn too, they don't close off the traditional marketing option, but they certainly don't go begging. And I think that's where the Correct. power shift is happening, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it absolutely is because there is information out there that all of us in the self-publishing world are willing to be vocal about and help other people, you know, and that's, that's giving us an advantage because we're able to be a community that works to help build each other up, you know, and I'm not saying that that doesn't happen in the traditional world. It does, but it's definitely a very different mindset because like you said earlier, it, nobody's going to work your product as hard as you are. And if you can train yourself first, you don't have to be dependent on anybody else. Yeah. And that, look, helping each other, building each other up, sharing information, putting information out there. I was listening to John Lee Dumas's, uh income breakdown for the month of October. I was listening to On the Way to School yesterday. And what he said was, oh, it was 150000 before tax and 90-something after tax. And I sat back and I went, oh, that's not much more than what the rest of us earn. And then I thought, Jesus, he's talking about a month, not a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's sort of a bit like when you go from when you play golf and you go off your net handicap to your gross handicap and I'm going oh yes I understand uh look it's been a pleasure Alicia I could talk about this stuff all, the, all, all day rather than do it and you've got so much more to offer us I really really appreciate it I've got to go to school uh where can we find you and your books uh AliciaHyder.com, E-L-I-C-I-A-H-Y-D-E-R, or TheSoulSummoner.com. That's a little bit easier to remember. Yeah, the soul, and I'll put both those things on my transcript notes, but there's another little one, and we haven't got time to talk about it now. Everyone say, so just going to have to go there, howtopublishfiction.com. 
Oh, yeah, I do. I have howtopublishfiction.com. There's a lot of information on there. I'm glad you mentioned that because I forgot all about it. (laughs) (laughs) So all the stuff that we've talked about and that I haven't made the slightest bit of sense about, go to howtopublish.com, howtopublishfiction.com, and you'll find um, it written in Alicia's terms that will make a lot more sense to you. Alicia, thank you. Um, I can't wait to see what colour your hair is next time. And, look, best (laughs) of luck with all that, and I look forward to following your, your journey. Thanks for having me, Melinda. Okay, and that's another episode of Rider on the Road, as messy as it was. Bye for now.